Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to River Glen, uh, everybody. So good to see you. River Glen's one church, and we meet in many locations. And so, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, and a uh, big welcome to everybody over in Pewaukee. And of course, welcome to all of you joining us online, whatever your uh, location. Here's how I want to get started today. I want to, I want to start with a question. And uh, here is the question. If you could pick any uh, habit, ability, or talent and wish for it and have it, what would you uh, pick? What would you uh, pick? You know, maybe if you think about it, you know, you go, hey, I would like to be able to cook gourmet meals. That'd be great. Or maybe you go, no, you know, I would really like to be able to sing like a rock star and just electrify arenas. Or maybe you would say, you know, no, I'd like to be able to just paint some beautiful uh, landscapes. That's what I'd like uh, to do. Here's what I'd like you to do. You know, if you're sitting next to someone, uh, turn and tell them what, what skill, what talent, ability you would pick. Go ahead and do that right now. If you're watching online, type it in the chat. What skill, ability, talent would you uh, pick? Go ahead and type that in the uh, chat. I'll tell you what, for me, if I could pick any skill, I would really love to be good at a sport. And, and I mean, just any sport. I don't really care what it is. Just to be able to play and lead a Wisconsin team to a championship, that would be awesome uh, for me. But, uh, you know, this football right here, you know, this football in, in my hands, this is never going to lead the Green Bay Packers to a Super Bowl uh, championship. And, uh, you know, this baseball in, in my hands, I mean, I love this sport, but uh, it, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to pitch the Brewers to a World Series uh, championship. And this basketball right here, you know, in my hands, it's never going to lead the Milwaukee Bucks to an NBA uh, championship. But we can dream, right? And uh, all of us, all of us have abilities, talents, skills that we wish that we had. And the 12 disciples of Jesus are no exception. One day they came to Jesus and they asked him to teach them a skill. They came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is really interesting because, you know, of all the things they saw Jesus do, I mean, think of the things they could have asked Jesus to teach them. They could have said, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to walk on the water? That'd be really cool. Or, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to turn water into wine? Some of us might like to ask uh, for that. Or, Jesus, would you teach us how to give a sermon that just mesmerizes an audience and causes people's jaws to drop. But instead of all those things they saw Jesus do, they only asked him to teach them one thing. They, taught them, he, he, they asked him uh, to teach them how to pray. How to pray. Why? Why do you think they asked for that skill, that ability? Well, I think it's because they admired the way that Jesus lived. And they had heard other religious people pray, but there was something different about the way Jesus prayed and connected to the Father. And they knew that if they wanted to live like Jesus, that meant learning to pray like Jesus. Richard Foster writes extensively about prayer, and he says, All who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. Let that sink in. All who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. Richard Foster sees what the disciples saw, and that is that prayer lies at the heart of our relationship uh, with God. But for so many of us, myself included, we struggle to develop a meaningful prayer life. We struggle with knowing what to say. I mean, prayer is talking to G-O-D. 
God. You ever stopped for a minute and really thought about that? God is this eternal, all-powerful, magnificent, star-breathing, miracle worker. And you and I can talk to him. We can have a conversation with him. That's awesome. But it leads to many questions for some of us. We don't, we don't know where to start or what to say. We don't know if we're doing it right. Do we need to you know, learn a specific vocabulary to talk to God? Do, is, or is there a specific amount of time that's required to talk to God? Do we need to pray at a particular time of day? Is God a morning person like you know, 4 a.m.? Is that when God... Likes to, likes to have us talk to him. When do you, you pray? Now, many of us probably learned about prayer sitting around a dinner table. That's a common place for uh, people and families to sit together and, and uh, pray together around a dinner table. That's one of the places where I learned a lot about prayer uh, growing up. But have you ever thought about how we pray for food? You know, there's some things about how we pray for food that I think are kind of uh, 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 humorous. Uh, last month I went to a restaurant with a group of people. And the server brought drinks, but nobody prays for drinks. And then uh, the server brought uh, salads and soups, but many of us, we don't pray for appetizers. But when the uh, main dish came a little later on, that's when we uh, prayed. It's like, we're not worried about the drinks. You know, we're not worried about the chips and guac, but we're worried about that pasta. You know, we, we need to pray for that pasta. It's kind of funny how we pray for, for, for food. Prayer raises all kinds of questions. But here's the question that I think all of us wrestle with at some point. Does it work? Does prayer work? I wonder how many of us sitting in our gatherings right now or watching online have given up on prayer altogether. Because you would say, Ben, I've been there. I've done that. And I'm done talking to God. I don't have anything to say to God. I don't have a prayer anymore. All my life is, it's just a bunch of disappointments. I don't have a prayer anymore. I think if we're honest, all of us have probably had moments where we have felt that way. But what if, what if there was a model prayer that we could learn and follow and it works and it makes sense? If only there was a model prayer. I mean, that would add value to our lives and to our relationships and to our faith. If we could ask Jesus, how should we talk to God? Well, that's exactly what the disciples asked for in Scripture. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so over the next five weekends, we are going to walk through and we are going to dig into what's called the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave to his followers. And whether you're a prayer veteran and you know, prayer is like a regular occurrence, a daily occurrence, you know, for you. Or maybe you're a person and you just pray before meals. Or maybe you don't talk to God at all. I believe that this series is going to have something for anybody, anywhere, who wants to talk to God. So go ahead and just plan on joining us for the next five weekends as we look at and dig into the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Right before Jesus gave uh, the model prayer, he actually taught his disciples how not to pray, what not to say. Look at what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Jesus criticizes long prayers. He's against 
long prayers. But notice, he doesn't say anything against long sermons. All right, I'm just throwing that out there, okay? But prayers don't have to be long or wordy or impressive to work. The model prayer that Jesus teaches, it's only 66 words long. And none of the words are hard to understand, except maybe one of them. And I'll explain that uh, later on. But it only takes about 28 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. 28 seconds. In less than 30 seconds, your life can change. So prayer is not about the length or using big, impressive words. And that's why we're calling this series Real Prayer for Real People. You don't have to, like, study and learn a new vocabulary to talk to God. You can talk to God like you talk in a normal conversation. But today, I want, you to, I want you to understand that prayer, prayer is about making an internal shift in our heart, in our mind, that Jesus invites us to make, each one of us to make when uh, we pray. So today we're going to uh, focus on the first verse, the first line of the Lord's Prayer. But before we do that, I thought it would be good. Let's just say the whole prayer together on the count of three. Would you say this together with me? One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now each week in this series we're going to teach you a different type of prayer. We're going to teach six types of prayer uh, throughout uh, this series based on uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I think it's going to be really helpful. I think it's going to be really um, interesting. And to help us put into practice what we learn about prayer, we're doing this 21-day prayer uh, challenge. 21-day prayer challenge. You can go ahead and take out your phone uh, right now and you can text the word 21 prayers to 262-500-4004. And uh, each day for 21 days, beginning August 1st, we are going to send you a daily prayer and a daily uh, Bible verse. So why don't you do that? Just take out your phone, text 21 prayers to that number and for just 21 days, starting August 1st, we'll send you a daily prayer and a daily uh, Bible verse if you sign up for it. Now, I'm calling the type of prayer that we're talking about today adoration. A prayer of adoration. Because in the first line, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your uh, name. Notice how Jesus addresses God as Father. Very important. Uh, some people even refer to the Lord's Prayer as the Our Father. But this first line would have stunned, I mean, the, the original audience in the first century because nobody addressed God that way uh, back then. In fact, there's a New Testament scholar who studied all the prayer literature in ancient Judaism, many volumes. He couldn't find one example of anybody addressing God as Father the way that Jesus did in the first line of this prayer. Now, think about this. Jesus could have called him, you know, Master, could have called him King, could have called him Lord, and all those things would have been true. But instead, Jesus encourages us to go to God like a child going to their dad. Now, depending on how you grew up, you know, you might see that as positive or negative. It depends on the kind of dad that you had. But can I encourage everyone this weekend to make a clear delineation between our earthly dad and our father in heaven. The father that Jesus talks about here 
is a good father. And the people in the audience would have understood the term father in a positive light. Here's what Jesus tells us in the first verse. Prayer is relational, not transactional. It's not, it's not something that, you know, you do this and you get something. No, this is how we connect to God as our father. And because prayer is relational, how we view God is critically important. Author Peter, Peter Gregg, who writes and teaches about prayer, he says, the way we view God affects everything about everything. And I think one of the reasons why we struggle in our prayer life is because we have a distorted image, a distorted view of God. Maybe not in the front of our minds, but in the back of our minds, we, we view God as, as kind of a, a grumpy uh, God who's always scowling and, and disproving of us. And we've got to persuade him to listen to us. Maybe you've watched reruns of uh, The Office on, on Netflix. Remember this guy, Stanley? He was always angry and cantankerous. And that's how many people uh, view God, kind of, kind, of a, a, kind of as a grouch, like Stanley from The Office. But Jesus gives us an entirely different view of God in the model uh, prayer. Many scholars believe that Jesus uh, spoke in the language of Aramaic. And in the language of Aramaic, the word for father was the word Abba, which is affection. The English equivalent in our language would be the word daddy. So Jesus wants us to make a shift in our heart and, our, and in our mind and to lean into God like a child leans into their daddy. Because God cherishes you. He wants to look after you. He feels your pain more deeply than you do. But even if we don't view him as grumpy God... Some of us, I think, we view him as a distant deity. Sometimes when we read this prayer and it says our Father in heaven, we think, oh, wow, heaven, that's far away. God is infinitely far away in heaven. And maybe someday, you know, after I pass, I'll see him in the afterlife in, in uh, heaven. I was thinking of how to illustrate this. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the Grinch. Uh, remember the Grinch and how he lived in seclusion off a cliff and he would oversee the city of Whoville. He would oversee all the people of Whoville from a distance. And many people view God as uh, distant. But there's something really important to understand about the model prayer. In the original language, the word for heaven is actually plural. It really should be translated, our Father in the heavens. Look at what author Dallas Willard says about this. The meaning of the plural heavens, which is erroneously omitted in most translations, sees God present as far out as imaginable, but also, look at this, right down to the atmosphere around our heads, which is the first of the heavens. Dallas Willard says a better translation would be our Father always with us because the heavens start right here in our midst and extend all the way around the world and beyond. God is always near us. And then Jesus uses a word that I think probably needs some explanation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I wonder, when was the last time you used the word hallowed? <laughs> That's not a very common word, is it? Let me define it for you. It means holy. It means to be set apart. I like this definition. It means beautiful. Hallowed means most beautiful. Here's a question I came across that challenged uh, me, challenged my prayer life, and, and maybe this will challenge you. Ask yourself this question. Do I think of God as useful or beautiful? How do you think of God when you approach him 
in, in prayer. I know I struggle with this, and, and, and maybe you're like me. We, we approach God as useful. We approach God as a means to an end. God, get me out of this jam. God, give me a healing. God, help me do good on this uh, test. Get me a, a new job. But seeing God as hallowed means that he is greater than all those earthly things. It means saying, God, I would love to have a new job. I would love to have a healed body. But you are better than any of those things. And if I don't get those things, I'll be sure I'll be a little disappointed. But it won't affect my joy and confidence in life. Because God, you are the greatest possession of, of all. God, you are the greatest reward in life. God, you are hallowed. You are beautiful. And then Jesus prays, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So many of my prayers begin by focusing on my name and who I am and who I want to be and what I want to do. But Jesus challenges us to make a shift in our heart and mind and begin our prayers by focusing on God's name, on who God is. And what God has done. See, many of us have been told over and over how much God loves us. And many of us have been told over and over how much God wants to use us. And, and while those things are absolutely uh, true, it brings great relief to us to know at the end of the day, you know what? You and I are not such a big deal. We are not such a big deal. We are not the main actors. We're just bit part actors in a story that started long before our birth. And it's going to continue long after we die. And this reality can bring us peace where we take a deep breath and can relax knowing that we have a big and beautiful God who is in charge of everything. Now, there's a name for this type of prayer that comes from the first line of uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's called adoration. A prayer of adoration. Here's the definition of adoration. Adoration is coming to the Father to give him praise for who he is and to give him thanks for what he's done for us. But if you're like me, a lot of times when I start my prayers, I just jump right in and, and tell God what I want. You know, hey, God, I need to get these things done and I need your help. I start asking for things. And there's nothing wrong with asking for things. That's actually a really important part of prayer. We're going to spend a whole weekend talking about making a request, making our request and asking God for things. But Jesus teaches us here to start with adoration, to begin with adoration. And you might think, well, that seems selfish. That seems selfish of God to want to hear, you know, our praise and our thanks first. No, 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 no. That's not what this is. Jesus knows, Jesus knows that we need this. We need to begin with adoration. Let, let me explain why we need to start uh, with adoration. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. I brought a quarter uh, with me. And I want to invite you to do this along with me. If you have a quarter, um, if, you, if you can take out a quarter, take out a quarter or another coin. Or if you're watching online, take out a quarter or really any object will work uh, for this. This quarter represents one of uh, my problems or one of uh, your problems. It might be a worry that you or someone you love might get sick or anxiety about your job, losing your job, or finding a job, or it might be something related to finances, or it might be 
uh, relational, maybe you've got a relational struggle right now with a family member or a friend, or maybe you feel some, some loneliness, some emptiness in your life. Now, now this corridor might seem kind of small right now compared to the vast space that we're in. Uh, and, and this corridor is small, but you know what? This still represents one of my problems. Now, see if you can relate to this uh, next part. You know, when I, when I have a problem, uh, I tend to uh, uh, think about that problem. And I get consumed about that problem because I think about it. And I don't just think about it. I get consumed by my uh, problem. And, and pretty soon I, I worry about it. And it gets bigger and bigger. And pretty soon the only thing I can see is just my uh, problem. And, you know, how many of us have just one problem, right? And so I brought along another quarter. Another problem uh, comes along. And if you've got another quarter, you can take that out. Or another object, uh, you can take that out too. And so now I've got this other problem. I've got this first problem that's already clouding my vision. And now I've got this second problem that comes along. And I start, to, I start to think about this second problem. And I start to get consumed and feel anxious. And I start to worry about this second problem. And pretty soon I'm like this right here. You, you ever feel this way? You ever, you ever feel this way? Um, uh, sometimes I do. And what do we say? We say, where's God? Where's God? I can't see God. If God is good, why can't I see him? I can't see a way out of this situation. You ever thought those words or maybe said those words? Maybe you said those words this, this past week, maybe last night, maybe, maybe this morning. Now, here's why I think Jesus wants us to begin our prayers with adoration. When we feel concerned and worried and overwhelmed with our problems, we're like this right here. But when we start our prayers and we make a shift and we focus on adoration and giving thanks and praise uh, to God, we say, we say something like this. Faithful, that is who you are. Savior, that is who you are. Able, that is who you are. Mighty, that is who you are. Holy, that is who you are. And see what happens when we adore God all of a sudden, our perspective on our problems uh, change when we, when we put our focus on who God is and what God has done. We still have problems. Our problems are still there, but they're in the background now. They've shrunk. They're not as big, especially in light of how big and how beautiful God is. And I think that's why Jesus teaches us to start our prayers with adoration. That's why he began the model prayer by saying, our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. So how do we practice adoration? How do we do this in our daily lives? I want to give you a few very practical uh, suggestions on how to do this. And here's the first one. Start praying the Lord's Prayer. Maybe some of us here have given up on prayer. I want to invite you back to prayer. Real prayer for real people. Maybe you begin by saying the Lord's Prayer day after day during this series. That's why we gave you this uh, handout when you uh, walked in. If you're watching online, you can go to our website and uh, find a printable download of this. It's got the Lord's Prayer printed on one side. It's got the different types of prayer that we're going to teach in this series listed on the other. Maybe you, maybe you put this in your car. Maybe you put it in your purse. Maybe you put this on your desk. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it each day during this series. But don't just pray the words. This is really important. Make the shift in your heart and in your mind from focusing on your problems to focusing 
on who God is and what God has done for you? What kind of response back do you think we would get uh, from God if we made that shift in our hearts and in our minds? Instead of diving in and praying about what I want, we start by connecting with God as our Father and giving him praise for who he is and giving him thanks for what he's done uh, for us. And then second, make a gratitude uh, list because nothing changes our perspective like practicing gratitude. When we look around and we see all the great things that God has blessed us with, it leaves little room for complaining or worrying or stressing. One way that you can practice gratitude is to just get a journal and write down a list of all the things that you're grateful for. Fill in this blank right here. Today I praise and thank you for blank. Fill in the blank. I, I do this most mornings. I get up and, and begin my day um, by using a, a prayer journal on my computer. And I make a list of what I'm grateful for that day. Because I need it. On my own, I get consumed and overwhelmed by my uh, problems. But when I make this shift... To see how big and beautiful God is, it shrinks my problems and it brings me peace. And then third, sing the songs. I mean, so many of the songs that we sing on the weekends are, are, are great ways to help us take our minds off our problems and put them, put our minds on adoring uh, God. It's one of the reasons that we gather on the weekends and we're blessed with some great music in this church. Did you know that you can stream many of the songs that we sing on the weekends? You can go to Spotify, type in River Glen Christian Church, do a search, and you'll come to a free playlist with almost 50 of the songs that we sing on the, on the weekends. You can download that, or you can go to our YouTube channel and watch our band and vocal team lead these songs that will help us make the shift in our heart and in our mind. Because adoration puts our focus on how big and holy and how beautiful God is, rather than our problems and worries. Adoration is a way to put our life in God's uh, hands. Remember how I started uh, this message? I said, man, I'd love to quarterback the Green Bay Packers to uh, a Super Bowl. But you know what? In my hands, that's never going to happen. In my hands, this football's worth maybe 10 bucks. But in the hands of a player like Tom Brady, it's worth $25 million annually and seven Super Bowl championships. It all depends on whose hands it's in. And I said, you know, I'd love to pitch the Brewers to a World Series champion, but that's never going to happen in my hands. But in the hands of Josh Hader, this is worth like $6 million uh, annually and maybe, maybe a World Series championship. And I would love to lead the Milwaukee Bucks to an NBA uh, championship, but that's never going to happen in my hands. In my hands, this basketball is worth, I don't know, maybe 15 bucks. But in the hands of Giannis, I don't really know how to say his last name, but I think you know who I'm talking about. This is worth hundreds of millions of dollars and maybe, maybe an NBA championship. It all depends on whose hands it's in. In my hands, my concerns, my worries, my problems overwhelm me. But if you put your life in God's hands, and that's what adoration does. You put your life in God's hands, and he brings you peace and contentment and joy. It all depends on whose hands 
it's in. He's worthy of our adoration and, and worship. Would you say this uh, with me? Pray this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to pray uh, for us. And then uh, our, our team is going to lead us in a couple songs to help us put our focus on God rather than our problems. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for giving us this model prayer and teaching us how to relate to you and talk to you. That you are such a loving, such a kind, such a good heavenly father that you want us to just kind of lean into you and say, hey, dad, and get to know you and tell you what's going on in our lives and bring to you our concerns and our problems and our worries. God, I pray for every person listening. I ask that we begin to start all of our prayers with a prayer of adoration and put our focus on who you are and what you've done for us. And we put our lives in your hands. Yes, because you enjoy it, but also because we need it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand. Let's continue singing together.